The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. so much. Let's give a big welcome, can we, to everybody in Cambridge, in Leicester, those watching online or in Cafe Church. Um, so six o'clock last night, I had a message all prepared, all ready, and um, I changed it completely because we're living in unprecedented times. So sorry, no PowerPoint, no you version today, but I trust a message from the Father that will help us navigate what I think we'd all agree are unprecedented times. You know, we've been using the, ty- the word like never before. Well, this is a time like never before, in, certainly in, uh, for many of us in our lifetime. And, you know, we need to be praying for each other. We need to be praying protection and peace. Uh, we need to be praying we don't retreat into fear. Uh, and also, uh, let's be praying. Can we, many of our uh, family are involved in the front line on the National Health Service. God bless you all. We'll be praying for you. And also, we need to be praying, obviously, for our government for great wisdom. And, you know, in this kind of, I I saw a tweet out there uh, recently, you know, let's not turn a medical and economic crisis and make it a mental health crisis. Because the reality is there's some impending stuff around, but then there's there's another battle, which is actually how we're responding and how we are in our our thinking and our emotions. I don't know about you, but it can be a pretty disorientating kind of time. The the, the only way I could describe it is, I don't think you've ever been mountain climbing, and you're you're heading up the mountain, and um, all seems to be fine. Uh, You know, nice sunny day, you can see the top, you know where you're heading, and then suddenly the weather changes. And before you know it, you're caught in this storm, uh, and literally you, you can't see beyond the end of your nose. Ever been there? And I thought about it, it's a bit like that, 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 you know, we set out this year, how many of you knew, how many, how many of us knew that we would be where we are now, nationally, internationally? We, we didn't see it coming, did we? And so the, what that can do is that can have a disorientating effect on us. There's the reality of the situation, and then there's the bombardment of being in a technological world where literally, wherever we look, every newspaper, every news feed, every bit of social media, and if we're not careful, we can end up completely disorientated. Anyone else feel a little bit disorientated? What's going on? Where, where, where are we going? Well, just as in the mountain climbing analogy, if you're in that thing, you need a map, but the map on its own won't do any good. You need a compass, 
And even better, you need a guide. I want to tell you, we have the Holy Spirit with us in these times. And he wants to help us navigate through this storm, which we believe God will pass. And he will take us out where we can see clearly again. So, so yeah, amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord for his guidance in such a time as this. So let me just... um, said a couple of things. Firstly, I was in two meetings. One was um, a leadership meeting to do with the learning communities, another was locally here. And two people prayed the same prayer. It went like this. Lord, thank you that you weren't taken by surprise by this current crisis. I thought, what a great prayer to pray. How many know the Lord is still in charge? The Lord still has his plans. The Lord knows the end from the beginning. He is a sovereign God, and by his spirit, he wants to help give us as the people of God a perspective that, let's face it, people who don't know Jesus don't know. So with that in mind, let's, let's ask the question, so how does then Jubilee fit into what, what we're talking about now? We've talked about Jubilee as a time when what the salvation and the free favors of God profusely abound. So how does Jubilee... If my voice is going a bit, I've been up quite a bit preparing this, so just, um, I'm sure you can hear me clearly. Um, How does Jubilee fit in with the time we're living in right now? Well, on the one hand, Jubilee is a timeless message. Do you know, we've we've been in a season of Jubilee ever since Jesus declared it 2,000 years ago, and it's going to continue all the way through the second coming. Can I say, all through history, the message of Jesus has been relevant. All through Jesus, the message of Jubilee has been necessary in good times, in tough times. Can I say, actually, it's not even a timeless message, it's a timely message, because, you know, right now, now more than ever, or like never before, people need Jesus. And so I think this message of Jubilee is more relevant in a time of crisis, because you know what happens in a time of crisis? Our natural bearings and the things we put on as security are being shaken, and let's pray, can we, that the outpouring is going to come, and that out of an awful situation, the Holy Spirit is going to bring good, and as a result, many more people are going to come to Christ than ever before. So with that in mind, uh, three things I want to talk about. Firstly, how can we respond? Firstly, this time is a time to rejoice in Jesus like never before. Time to rejoice in Jesus like never before. I didn't say it's time to be happy. How many of you around at the Christmas services? Do you remember we talked about the difference between happiness and joy? And we use this little phrase, happiness comes from what? Do you remember? Happens to us. Joy comes from Jesus. I, I, I don't expect many people around say, what a happy time we're having. But I believe it's all the more critical that we lean into the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. And can I say it's actually more important? You see, the things we used to find security in may be less obvious right now. Everything's being disrupted. Work patterns, travel patterns, sports events, church, potentially everything's up in the air. And that means we need to put our security in the one who can give us true joy, which is Jesus. He alone. You see, joy is an internal thing that we can experience, not in a glib way, in an authentic way, 
that means that we can experience strength even in the midst of the toughest of times. And do you know that's when you need strength? Yeah. Why don't we say this together? The joy of the Lord, joy is, the Lord. Is, my strength. is my strength. So like never before, I believe this is a season not to back off from the things of God, but to press in on the things of God. We've had 10 days of prayer and fasting. What a time to have done it. And I'm not saying we've got to keep fasting, although the Lord may speak to you. But can I say, this is a time to pray like never before. This is a time to worship like never before. This is a time to pray in the Spirit like never before. This is a time to read your Bible like never before. You see, if we OD on the news and not on the Bible, we are going to feel disorientated. Yeah? And I'm not saying we shouldn't be aware, but I'm saying if we're feeding our minds all the time, the, the end result will be dislocation, disorientation, and fear, whereas the Lord wants to minister comfort and peace to us and wisdom and faith in the midst of all that's happening. It's a time to rejoice in Jesus like never before. And Jubilee fits in beautifully here because if you go back to the original Jubilee, the word Jubilee actually means Yobel or Yovel, which means a ram's horn, a trumpet or a coronet. And I don't know whether the Jews ever celebrated Jubilee, but it's there in the Bible. They were supposed to. Whether they ever got to it, we don't know. But the idea was, on a particular day in the calendar, do you know when the year of Jubilee started? It was on the Day of Atonement. Do you know what the Day of Atonement was? When the high priest came and made a sacrifice representing oneness with God. Guess what it's foreshadowing? When Jesus went to the cross, he ushered in, amen, the freedom that we can enjoy in every part of our lives. On the day of Yovel, or the trumpet, the the year of Jubilee, a trumpet would be sounded throughout the land. And at that moment, every slave would automatically be free and every debt would automatically be settled. Imagine if you were a slave, what would your immediate response be when you heard that trumpet blast? Joy. Isn't that right? Imagine, and some of you might like to imagine right now, imagine every debt being cancelled. What are you going to feel? Joy. It was almost like that trumpet blast was declaring freedom. Freedom, freedom throughout the land. And that was socioeconomic freedom. So when Jesus gets up in Luke chapter 4 and says, I'm here to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor or the year of Jubilee, he's saying, I've come to bring the favor of God, the freedom of God. I've come to release you, not just socioeconomically, I've come to release you emotionally. If you're brokenhearted, you can be healed. Amen. I've come to release you spiritually. If you've got shame and guilt, you can be set free. And then if you read on in Isaiah chapter 61, beyond the part where Jesus quotes from verses 1 and 2, if you read verse 3 on the major theme or the major, if you like, fruit of receiving jubilee, the freedom of of Jesus, is joy. Let let me just read you. This is a glorious exchange. It says that um, for those who've received the, the, the salvation, the free favors of God, God has come to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. And then I love this. He says, the oil of joy, say oil of joy. joy. The oil of joy instead of mourning. Not happiness, but the true joy that comes from the Spirit. Even in tough times, God wants to give us a fresh anointing of joy. 
You see, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the joy of the Lord, breaks fear and confusion. It gives us strength in the midst of tough times. And then he goes on and talks about a garment of praise. A garment of praise. Come on, we're going to have to keep our garments of praise on instead of a spirit of despair or a spirit of heaviness. You know, there may be times in this last week or two or, you know, in the coming days where you may feel like a spirit of heaviness coming on you. I want to tell you, it's time to put on our praising clothes and, and say, yes, but the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Amen. Got to keep on the garments of praise. And then he goes on and says, instead of shame, you'll receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in, the, in your land. And here we have it again. An everlasting joy. Say everlasting joy. Everlasting. You see, we're not talking here. You see, this, this is why this is a timeless message. Because Jubilee was true before coronavirus, during coronavirus, and it'll be true afterwards. This is an everlasting message. And sometimes when times are shaken, we need to get back and fix our eyes on timeless truths and realities. I want to tell you, we as the people of God have been saved. We've been clothed with, with garments of salvation. Amen. I don't know about you. I'm so glad I look back. I'm so glad he took away my guilt and my shame. I'm so glad I'm right with my Father God. You say, well, how can I rejoice right now? If you're a Christian here today, you need to just rejoice in the fact that you are saved. You're saved, you're being saved, and you've been clothed with everlasting joy. Because I want to tell you, there's a, second, there's a final trumpet blast going to come at the end of history. When Jesus comes back, the dead will be raised. I want to tell you, we are people above all else who, who need not have a, a, a fear of the eternal future because Jesus Christ is coming back. Amen. And so we, we, need, we need to build ourselves up on these truths. You see, these are, these are, and then he, then he continues, verse 10 of Isaiah 61. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. People of God in this time, can I encourage us all? Let's go around wearing the garments of salvation. Let's realize that part of being a Christian is not necessarily that we're not in the same circumstances, but we have a new identity. We have a new security, we have a new peace, and we can walk in a new joy. No matter what we experience, we can walk in joy like never before. And it may be you're here today, or you're watching online, you're one in Cambridge or Leicester, and you say, to be honest, I just feel the pressure of all that's going on. I'm, I'm, my joy is just draining away. Well, why not pray this prayer from, from Psalm 51, verse 12? Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Father, why don't we just pray that, to declare that out together for one another and for the whole church. Restore to us the joy of your salvation. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Lord, I want to be somebody who rejoices in you like never before. Let's not turn away from the Lord in a time of trial. Let's not look to other things. Let's not get hooked on unhelpful stuff online or binge on Netflix. Let, let's, let's binge on Jesus like never before. Let's rejoice in him like never before. So that's the first thing. Rejoice in Jesus like never before. Second point is, and I believe this is so, so important. This is a time to look out for others. others. This is a time to look out for others like never before. And to help us with this point, Dave, um, again, overnight helped prepare this. Let's give Dave a big welcome as he comes and shares this with us. 
you so much. Um, this is such an important part, isn't it? Living out this overflow of the, the identity that God has given us. As uh, Dave just said, you know, at the time of uh, Levitical, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? That's it. <laughs> Jubilee. Uh, when we're thinking of a time of Levitical Jubilee, uh, it was a time of incredible change in society. It was a, a, a time of freedom. It was slaves set free. Uh, financial imbalance was put right. And I guess if you boiled it all down, I was, I was thinking, praying last evening, it boils down to a principle that we can own for our world today. And the principle is this. The principle is to, to use this opportunity to honor God by doing right to others. Get that? To use this opportunity to honor God by doing right to others. Now today, as I say, we're not celebrating that Levitical Jubilee, but as Dave has already said, in our country, in our neighborhood, our streets, our homes and our workplaces right now, we are presented with an opportunity to live out that, uh, that tremendous value. And I want to suggest a couple of practical ways that we can do it, really practical, just for a few minutes. The first uh, is this, let's consider the needs of others and not just ourselves. Now, a crisis like this can bring out the worst and the best in people. And we want to be in the best side, don't we? <laughs> Absolutely. We want to be people who are setting a, a tremendous example across our community. So when we are rightly buying the extra food and supplies that we need for this season, um, let's not selfishly stockpile for ourselves, but let's think of others around us too. Not purchasing out of a spirit of panic, but yes, of preparation, and it's right to be prepared. So, for example, when you're at the supermarket, could you pick up a few extra things uh, just simply to drop over to one of your neighbours if there's someone in your, your neighbourhood is particularly vulnerable? Could you just uh, think of them for, for, for that moment? Or how about before you go to the supermarket, drop a note into your neighbours if you think, and look, I'm going to the supermarket, anything you need. Just very practical ways of actually showing the love of Christ in our neighbourhood. Um, Heather and I are uh, planning to do something that we saw uh, online. We thought it was a great idea, and we, we're going to do it. As we want to, we're going to do it this afternoon probably, is to drop uh, in the homes of all of our our neighbours in our little block, uh, a message which simply says, look, you know, this is uh, a challenging time for everybody. Um, why don't you join a little WhatsApp group that we have set up? And if you need anything, just send us a message or give us a call. So if you need sugar for your tea, uh, let us know. If you run out of toilet roll, I don't know how that's going to be possible in the country at this time, but if you run out of toilet roll, just text us and we'll run across with uh, what we have got. Uh, you know, just kind of offer that kind of support. And, and also, if you just need someone to talk to at this season, just give us a call. And if we can, we'll give time to you. That's one way in which we can very practice help those uh, around us. Taking the initiative, let's be people who take the initiative to help others to lift up our eyes and their eyes from this kind of panic mode that is so easy can set in and help others to prepare. Not as selfish people. Uh, we've never been selfish people, have we? So let's not start now. Let's take this as our opportunity to be generous towards others. What about buying some extra food for the food bank that's near you? Uh, you know, it's a, it's a great concern that the food bank, for example, at the time when... Uh, 
the need is increasing, the supply is dropping. And so very soon there will be a gap between resources that food banks have and the demand that's on them. And that will get worse if it turns out that the schools close. So for, think of this, for example. Think of the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of children across the nation who get free school meals. As soon as the school closes, those families don't have that, uh, that facility. And so there will be more demand on the food banks. So it is, it is to me, I take this for myself and to you, to do what we can to support others through the food banks. Now, if you, if you don't know what to get or how to do it, there's a link on our special page at kingsgate.church forward slash coronavirus, you'll see there's a link on there with a little shopping list of what you could add into there. I mean, we've even thought about why don't we tie their stockpile you know, we've got all 400 tins of beans. Okay, why, why don't, well, we haven't actually, but um, <laughs> take some of your stockpile and just uh, give it to Food Bank. Let's trust God for our provision and use our provision to help provide for others. So that, that's the first thing. Secondly, let's um, care for others in need. You know, the need may well increase in our neighborhood around us. Let's be people who, inspired by the Christians who have gone before us, be people who don't shy away from that need, but actually step towards it. I think that would be a wonderful thing to do. All of my Christian life, I've been incredibly inspired by Christians who at great personal sacrifice gave their lives to serve others. You might be able to think of people, so for example, Mother Teresa or somewhere, someone like that. Um, uh, when I became a, a young Christian uh, in the group, the life group that I belong to, we read a book a month about a missionary who went and sacrificed their life for others, not physically, but uh, so for example, there's a guy called Harry Williams, 19 years old. He went to be trained to be a surgeon. He was trained uh, as a surgeon. And as soon as he qualified, the first thing he did was he got a ship out to India, where for the next 30 years, he did facial reconstruction surgery on children and young people who had suffered from leprosy. He could have feathered his own nest by that amazing gift that he had, but he gave it to serve others. That's amazing, isn't it? I find that incredibly inspiring. Now, I'm not a surgeon, but what I can do, I want to do for the sake of other people. And of course, uh, in the early church, that was absolutely right at the core of their thinking. Uh, this week, those of you who get a, an email from Evangelical Alliance will have seen a nice little quote in there, which I wanted to share with all of you. Uh, it had an article quoting Rodney Stark in his book, The Rise of Christianity, which looks at, the book looks at the response of the early church to the plagues in Rome uh, in, in the early first century. And he quotes an early bishop saying this, this is inspiring, wasn't this? Most of our brother Christians showed unbounded love and loyalty, never sparing themselves and thinking only of one another. Heedless of danger, they took charge of the sick, attended to their every need and ministering to them in Christ, and with them departed this life serenely happy, for they were infected by others with the disease, drawing on themselves the sickness of their neighbors and cheerfully accepting their pains. Wow. Now, that's not to say that we should throw all caution to the wind and be foolish in this season. Of course not. But it's a determination that if this world is gripped by fear, we won't be. If this world is gripped by people in our street, in our neighborhood, needs people to serve those in need, we will be amongst the first to step forward. See, I think this is living out very practically um, 
2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, you know the verse, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. That's us. That's describing you and me. Power is the capacity to do something. God give us power. Love is a life-giving attitude towards other people. Lord, fill me again with love towards other people. And self-discipline, self-discipline helps us to be prepared, but not panicked. It helps us to do what we need to do, but not beyond that. This is an opportunity for us. This generation, you heard Boris say this week, this is the greatest health crisis that has faced us in a generation. Let's just rephrase that and say this is the greatest opportunity for Christians throughout the nation, a, a generational opportunity to be people who show care and love for other people. Let's get to it. Let's be the church. Let's uh, live that out in our families and our neighbors in these weeks. I'm going to hand back to Pastor Dave. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dave. What wonderful kind of practical exhortation. So let me just kind of recap and then firstly, this is a time to rejoice in Jesus like never before. Secondly, it's a time for us to look out for others like never before. And then the third thing is this. This is a time, I believe, to please the Father like never before. You see, it's one thing, isn't it, for us to honor God when everything's going well. But I believe the real test of Christianity, and in fact, as it has always been referred, actually the times when the church is at its best is when crisis comes. So I believe it's an opportunity for us. Yes, it's a crisis and it's an opportunity for us to live as kingdom ambassadors like never before. You see, at the heart of our 2020 vision has been over the last few years to turn the church inside out. Well, this may just be a fantastic opportunity for us to live that like never before. Amen. What do we mean by kingdom ambassadors? Well, we use the idea of, of, of the embassy. Um, you know, we, we come to the embassy, to, to gatherings or whatever, and we go out. Well, at a time when some of our opportunity to gather may change significantly, it's an opportunity for us to be on the front line, living for Jesus 24-7 like never before. And so I, I just want to land by just referring back Do you remember we did a series um, last year about kingdom ambassadors? It was based on Colossians chapters 3 and 4. And it was, the title was, Whatever You Do. Say, Whatever You Do. And uh, we've got this wonderful little verse in Colossians 3 verse 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so just as, as I conclude, I just want to just pick up on the four areas that Paul says we're to live as kingdom ambassadors. Firstly, he addresses the fact that we are, we are the church. Can I say, we're not the church when we gather in a building. We're the church because we're the family, the community. We're connected together. Yes. Can I have an amen, please? Amen. And that means <clears throat> whether we're going to be able to come together in the same way or not. 
whether we're going to be able to ultimately meet in homes or not, I believe it's an opportunity for us to act as the church, to look out for one another. If we need to leverage technology, we're going to do it to the max. Let's stay connected. Let's be united. Let's almost allow this as an opportunity for us to be church together like never before. That's the first thing, church. Secondly, family. Paul talks about the importance of family. How many of you think it's just possible that families might be more under pressure than ever before? Do you think it's likely that marriages might be a bit more under strain? Do you think it's likely that children are going to be a bit more kind of disoriented potentially? So let's make an opportunity that we are going to love one another in our families, our immediate families and our wider families. We're going to care for people like never before. A third thing Paul talks about is the workplace. He's actually addressing slaves in that context. And he says, you're to work hard, not just when uh, your master's eyes are on you, but you're to do it at all times. You're to work with all your heart in whatever you do, because ultimately you're serving the Lord Christ. Uh, Some of you may already be facing this right now. Do you think it's likely there may be some disruption to work patterns coming up? And so more and more of us may be working at home. Can I encourage us, if we're kingdom ambassadors, working at home doesn't mean watching Netflix, it means we're working at home. And we model something by the way we work. We're exemplary in all seasons because we are kingdom ambassadors. So let's please the Father, because ultimately we're living for an audience of one. We want to please him in, the, in, in our connectedness, even if we're more dispersed. We want to please him in, in, the, in our family, in the way we love one another. We want to please him in the way we do work in this season for those of us who, who work. And then fourthly, it's interesting that Paul's number one priority was the gospel of Jesus Christ, was if you like proclaiming the Jubilee. Listen, listen to this. Do you know where Paul was when he was writing Colossians? He was in prison. I don't know about you, if I'd asked for a prayer request and I was poor, I'd have been praying to the believers, please get me out of prison. And that would have been a fine, that's a valid prayer, isn't it? I think elsewhere he talks about pray that I might be delivered. And a valid prayer right now would be end this thing quickly, minimize the suffering. That's a right prayer to pray, agreed? But Paul's number one concern, even though he's in prison, is not that God would open up the doors of the prison, but that God would open up the door for the gospel. Extraordinary to me. This is what he prays. He said, pray for us too, that God may open a door for the message, that I may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. And then he exhorts all of us as believers, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders, make the most of every opportunity, and the word opportunity there could be translated time, and the word is kairos, it's a strategic or an opportune time. This is a time like never before of crisis, but can I say I believe this could be a time of opportunity for the gospel like never before. In Asia, there are countries and churches that are further down the line than we are. I've heard reports of one church in China and one church, we actually know the leader because they came to learning communities, where they've had to operate a dispersed model of church. 
In some cases, they're meeting in homes. Some cases, just through line. This is what they're finding. The church is more connected than it was before. And more people are coming to Jesus than before. Because in a time of crisis, do you know what happens? People are more open. They're more aware of their Jesus, their need than ever before. You know, we've been talking about revival and awakening. And I want to tell you, how many think it's possible that the God who doesn't send evil but is only good, can turn evil for good and he can turn all things to his good, to, to good so that more and more people, multitudes in fact, all across the nations might turn to Jesus like never before. That's what we need to believe for. And so with all the kind of caveats of wisdom and social distancing all over this, you are gonna ha- and I are going to have opportunities to share our faith in word, and deed, as we've just heard, to demonstrate the love of Jesus, if you like, to proclaim the jubilee like never before. And when, not if we're the other side of the storm, we can look back and say, we didn't waste the season. We took it as, yes, a tough time, yes, a crisis, but also a time to do good and to please the Father like never before. And that's, what, well, that's why we're giving here today. For those of you who are gathered in our various contexts, we're going to be giving. We've been talking about this for a while. Why are we giving? We're giving basically because people matter to Jesus. And lost people matter to him. And our giving is going to help pave the way for them to come to Christ and for their eternal destiny to be changed in Jesus' mighty name. So in conclusion, let's do three things. This is a time like never before, unprecedented. Let's rejoice in Jesus like never before. Let's look out for others like never before. And let's determine to please the Father like never before. Live as kingdom ambassadors wherever you go. And let's be front foot people, not back foot. Let's be people of faith, not of fear. And I believe we can come out of this season stronger than we went into it by the grace of God, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you so much for your word to us and the timeless and timely message of Jubilee. And I pray, Lord, that this gathering and for those online, Lord, this will be a strengthening moment where we lift our gaze to you. We thank you, Lord, that we are those as Christians who have been saved, are being saved, and will be saved. So we put our gaze on you in Jesus' name. Amen.